Father, we just want to thank you, Father, for this morning. Lord, we just want to rejoice in your house this morning. Truly, Lord, in your presence is fullness of joy. And at your right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. Truly, Lord, better to stay, to be in the house of the Lord for one day than to dwell in the tents of wickedness for a thousand days, O Lord. One day is your, in your presence, O Lord. That, would, that we would rather be a doorkeeper in your house than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. Lord, it's only in, hinds- in eternity we will know, in hindsight, what a precious privilege that you've given to us that we, would all, that we could all come together and gather in your name to, and listen to your word week after week. Lord, we never want to take these privileges for granted. Lord, your word says, oh Lord, it is through the foolishness of the message that was preached. You chose to save those who believe. It's a foolish thing in the eyes of the world, oh Lord. It's foolishness to those who are perishing. But to those of us who are being saved, it is the power of God. And therefore this morning, even as we are here gathered in your house to listen to your word, I pray, Father, that you would speak to our hearts. Fill us with your Holy Spirit. Anoint us, even during the speaking and the hearing of this word, that you would write your laws by the finger of your Holy Spirit on the deepmost parts of our inner man, on the tables of our heart and in our mind, O Lord, so that we can walk in your ways. That's what your word says, O Lord, in the new covenant. It is not the external, but it is the internal. It is the Spirit of God who dwells within each one of our hearts in the bosom of, our, of every believer who has got the capacity, if we believe, to write the law of God into the deepmost parts of our inner man, on our, th- on our hearts which you have given to us, a new heart and a new mind. Lord, I pray, Father, that, Lord, even through the ministry of the word, you will do the same. Through the finger of God, the Holy Spirit, drive out every lie of the devil, O Lord. Drive out every stronghold of the enemy, O Lord, and set us free by your truth and cause us to experience the freedom and joy that, we, that, we, that, we, that you promised when we walk in truth, O Lord. Grant us grace to that, that in we pray, Lord. You speak to our hearts this morning. Speak to us. Speak to us. Cause us to walk in your ways. Grant us hearing ears. Lord, open the eyes of our heart. Open our understanding. As you opened the scriptures, O Lord, to those disciples, O Lord, Father, you opened up their understanding so that they could understand the scriptures. And therefore, this morning, I pray, Lord, that you would open our understanding as well. And Lord, show us, O Lord, even from your word, things concerning your son. We lift up Jesus this morning. And Lord, even as Jesus is lifted up, you draw all men unto yourself. Therefore, this morning we commit ourselves to the hearing of the word and to the speaking of the word. Anoint us this morning. We thank you. We praise you. We give you glory. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Excuse me. So we've been in a series on um, faith. 
And uh, we've been understanding that the object of our faith is not just the power of God, but it is to get to know the person of Jesus Christ. It is the presence of God in our lives that is more important than to just merely experience the power of God. One of the um, attributes of David, if you see, he says, Lord, cast me not away from your presence. And it does not stop there. Do not take away your Holy Spirit from me. The presence of God and the, the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives is something which we cannot take it for granted. You see, every warning, if you will, in the, Old, in the New Testament is against how a believer deals with a person of the Holy Spirit. Don't lie to the Spirit. Don't tempt the Spirit. Don't grieve the Spirit. Don't insult the Spirit. Don't quench the Spirit. Every warning in the Bible is about the person of the Holy Spirit. And it is he who writes the law. And even as we, if you, if you come to the ministry of the word, what is being ministered is a spirit. The spirit, it is just not, that's the reason why the Bible says, when you hear from faith, what comes into your life is the spirit of God. Even as you receive the word by faith, what comes into your life is the spirit of God, the very presence of God. Ask and it shall be received. You shall receive. Seek and ye shall find. And he says, if you ask, how much more your heavenly father will give the Holy Spirit, right? How do you ask? One of the ways you ask is when you come to the preaching and the ministry of the word. You come by faith. And when you receive the word of God by faith, what happens to you is you have an infilling of the spirit that happens. The Bible says, don't be drunk with wine in which is what? Dissipation or wastage. But be filled with the Holy Spirit. How do we do that? Speaking to one another. Isn't it interesting? Speaking to one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, making melody in your hearts unto the Lord. It is through that speaking to the preaching of the word and when you receive the word by faith, there's an infilling of the Holy Spirit that happens. So receive this morning the Spirit. Of course, we are talking about the person of Jesus Christ, and this morning I just want to look at one important aspect of, of, uh, of what we should um, endeavor as believers to, to concentrate on. Let's read from Hebrews chapter 12, and this is verse 1 and 2, very familiar passage, and we will look at some important truths from this one particular phrase. Hebrews chapter 12. Therefore, we also, this is verses 1 and 2, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. And who are these witnesses? Chapter 11, you'll see the entire chapter on the heroes of faith, the hall of faith, as they say. And every testimony, if you see the witnesses, you see is the work of the spirit in their lives or the, the testimony of Jesus Christ or it is the Christ in them that speaks to us. Let us lay aside every weight and sin which so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Yesterday we looked at a very important aspect of faith if you were listening to the pastor's conference. A faith that endures. Right? Enduring faith. So how does one get this enduring faith? 
we are surrounded by a so great a cloud of witnesses. But in these witnesses, in order for us to have an impartation of this enduring faith, what are we supposed to look for in these witnesses? The next verse will say, looking unto, see, that is, that is, that's the key. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the perfecter of the faith. So even as you read about the, the, the testimony of Abel, the testimony of Noah, sorry, of Enoch, the testimony of Noah, the testimony of Abraham, the testimony of all those people, of the, of the heroes of faith in Hebrews chapter 11, and also the heroes of faith through the Bible. What are, we, what are we looking for? We are looking for Christ in each one of them. How the Christ in each one of them by faith overcame. Okay, So we are surrounded by these witnesses. But what are we looking for in each one of them is Jesus. Okay, looking unto Jesus. So when you look, so this is a very important thing. No? This looking unto Jesus is not a small phrase. It's a, it's a phrase loaded with meaning. Who is he? He is the author. That means he's the one who's, who's, who's begun this faith. And he is a perfecter. He's the one who will finish this journey of faith. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. You know, we are, um, we are going through this period of uh, what the church generally calls the period of Lent for 40 days. Sufferings of Christ is what we want to remember. But one of the things that we need to realize, what did Jesus through his sufferings learn? What is it? What did he learn? Obedience. If we might go through the period of Lent and not have learned obedience, that will be a waste, right? So, looking unto Jesus, the author and the perfecter. So, in all these witnesses, what are we supposed to look at? Look at Jesus. There will be so many things in the background. You see, when a when the photographer creates a frame. Okay, he creates a lot of things in the background, but there is something which is very important for, for us. He wants to convey a particular thing through an image. What does he do? He creates a frame. In the frame, there'll be so many things. But all those features in the, in the, in the frame, in the picture, are to accentuate a particular idea or thought that he's trying to convey. You understand? Okay. So if, so what happens if you, if you get lost in the background, you'll miss the whole purpose of the picture. So even as you read the Bible, there'll be so many details which are, which are given in the Bible. You see, in all the details, what are we supposed to look for? We are supposed to look for that one person, the person of Jesus Christ, which is the center theme of the entire scriptures from Genesis to Revelation. Otherwise, We'll listen to the entire Ramayana. And the standard question is, uh, who is Sita? We have forgotten. Okay. So the whole purpose is that we look for Jesus in everything. So if, if I were to look at the Bible as a movie, <laughs> what am I supposed to look for? Jesus in every frame. You understand? Jesus in every frame. So that is a, the whole purpose is to look unto Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. So if he is missing in the frame, then there's no point. Okay, so we can talk about stories, we can get inspiration, etc., etc., etc. But we haven't looked at Jesus, then the whole purpose is defeated. So we have to look, look for Jesus because he is the author of the faith. How do we have this impartation of this faith? We look at Jesus. Okay, let's read now. 
from Hebrews chapter 12. What does the phrase looking unto mean? Looking unto means very important. To turn your eyes away from other things and to fix. Everybody say fix. Ah, fix them on Jesus. Okay. I told you, no? So many times I think mentioned this. There are two awards that sports people get in India. People who are involved with sports get in India. First is what is called? Arjuna Award. The other is called Dronacharya Award. Okay. Who is Arjuna Award? Why, why Arjuna Award? You remember the story of Arjuna? Okay. There was, everybody says, all the brothers and the cousins come and say, to tell their guru, you are very partial towards Arjuna. He says, you come here, you fellows. I'll tell you why. Why I appreciate him. Okay. So he says, there is a bird there. I mean, he puts a, I think he puts a, uh, some kind of a, a, a toy. And he says, you have to aim the bull, aim the eye and shoot the eye. So, one by one, all the Kauravas and all the Pandavas, they are come in line. And uh, Dronacharya asked them, what do you see? The first fellow says, I see the birds, I see the leaves, I see the tree, and I also see the bird. He says, you will not hit. One by one, one by one, one by one, everybody comes. And then the final student is Arjuna. And one, what does Arjuna say? I only see the eye. And no wonder he. See, the problem is this, no? What is plan B for me? I mean, I was telling, I was discussing with the brothers yesterday. There is only plan A. Plan B is to make plan A work. That's all. Okay. There is no plan B. How do I get plan A to work? Okay. So what is this? Fix your eyes on Jesus. Looking unto Jesus. When I teach my children any any songs, especially Telugu, if they get distracted here and there, they will not get it. So what I, what I tell them is all the small children especially, they get distracted so easily, right? First, for the first three or four minutes, I say, don't do anything, just look at my face. Have you seen children? Can they look at you straight for one minute without turning their heads? No. So, right from childhood, I want to teach them. Okay, he said, I'm not going to teach anything. Just stay there. All of you come and stand next, stand next to me. I'm sitting on the table, on the chair, and I say, just look at me. So Atira is there, she will, suddenly she will move to the other side. <laughs> and Evangeline, she looks upstairs and one fellow is dancing up and down, up and down. And I said, hey, 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 wait, 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 everybody, look at me, look at me. And again, after 20 seconds, they're just getting distracted. Again, I say, look at me. And then I teach. Otherwise, what happens? Nothing happens. You know, there's a, I, I, take, I keep telling you, you know, in Sanskrit, there's one very, Powerful sentence, Guru Mukhasya Vidyalabhyate. If you cannot concentrate, and if you are interested in so many other things, this is what, what is looking unto? To turn your eyes away from all those things that distract you, and to fix. I tell my children, it is not important for you to be intelligent, smart, or a genius, because an unrewarded genius is almost a proverb. 
I have seen incredible amounts of geniuses in my life who are ultimately put on the shelf. Okay. And that's the reason Albert Einstein says, no, who's genius? 99% perspiration, 1% inspiration. I agree with him. Fix. So what are we supposed to be fixed? Fixing our eyes on. So even when you read the Bible, one of the things that I would encourage you to do is, where is Jesus in this picture? Where is Jesus in this chapter? Okay, Isaiah chapter 45, verse 22. Look unto me. (laughs) Who's that? Who's that? Jesus, right? Look unto me and be ye saved. All the ends of the earth. For I am God and there is no other. In other words, there is only one God. Don't get distracted with so, so many other things who are asking for your attention. Get up in the morning. This follow is there. I think one day, I'm, this during this Lent, I want to do 21 days fasting from phone, if it's possible. Really, honestly, throw this fellow and this computer, and just for 21 days, also forget about food and concentrate and just read the Bible. Yesterday, Pastor was talking about Smith Wigglesworth, his testimony. He did not read any other book other than the Bible in his life, and he was not very educated. One thing that he read was his Bible. That was that was a powerful sentence. I said, Lord, so many things I want to read. I want to read news. I want to listen to this news. I want to listen to that news. And most of the news is bad news. It will not impart faith at all. All it will impart is frustration and unbelief. There are two kinds of, I mean, Christians. I mean, Christians, no? I call them FCC. First Frustrated Christian Club. There are members and honorary members. You know what? Members, right? All frustrated Christians come together and they say, we are all members. If they don't see a frustrated fellow, they say, you are frustrated, we make you an honorary member. That is Joseph and his brothers. Okay. Look unto me. Put your eyes focused on Jesus. So many things asking for your attention. Most of them, when you listen to them, you get frustration and unbelief. Look unto me. This morning, the Bible says, look unto me. You know, remember Spurgeon when he was, <laughs> he was depressed and miserable. He was, he was like literally in the gall of bitterness. That's what his testimony says. He was in the gall of bitterness and he was frustrated. On one cold winter morning, he was walking towards the church and there was a snowstorm. And he was depressed and he was, his sin was pulling him down. He did not, he did not know what to do. And the cold was so bad. So he, he just walked, was walking down the streets and there was a Methodist church over there. He just walked into the church. And that day the pastor was not there. Because it was a snowstorm and the pastor did not come. And the lay, lay preacher was a layman. He said, okay, let me do something. Let me just read this word. So he took out the book of Isaiah like Jesus got. This place, Isaiah chapter 45 verse 22. Look unto me. And be saved all the ends of the earth. For I am God and there is no other. And Spurgeon was looking, he was sitting like that, like that, down and depressed, his head hanging down. And he looked, this, this layman, he didn't have much to say. So he kept on repeating the same verse over and over again. After a while, his congregation also was very small that day. And he looked at this Spurgeon who came for the first time in his church. And he said, young man, you look miserable. He got a shock of his life. He just looked up and he said, look unto him and be saved. That's it. At that moment, the spirit of God hit him. 
and he came under conviction and he was saved. So the entire focus, that is the reason why even when you look at Jesus and you read through the Gospels, you know what he says? You read the scriptures, right? And every part of scripture is talking about me, but you don't believe me and you don't come to me so that you'll be saved. Look at what he says to Nicodemus. John, John's Gospel chapter 3. For God so loved the world. Everybody knows? Yes? How many of you have any doubts about this? God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son unto the world to condemn the world but that the world through him might be saved. The word which I love the most in these two verses is what do you think? For. For. Two fours are very powerful. So what are these fours? These fours are for <laughs> for us so that we can look unto the person. And who's the person that we are supposed to look at? John's Gospel chapter 3. The previous verse. No one has ascended to heaven but he who came down from heaven. That is the son of man who is in heaven. And verse 19, verse 14. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, so that whoever believes in him will should not perish, but have everlasting life. Okay? Because God so loved the world and so on. So we look at this particular passage. What did Moses do in the wilderness? What was he trying to teach through that episode in the wilderness? Let's read that passage and draw out a a few lessons and let's look unto Jesus. Numbers chapter 21. Then they journeyed from the Mount Hor by the way of the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom. And the soul of the people became very discouraged on the way. And the people spoke against God and against Moses. Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no food. There is no water. Is it true? No. There was a, there was a lot of food in manna. Okay. Even if they didn't like that food, God also gave them meat. Okay. Manna in the morning, meat in the evening. And then they, did, I, did they have water? Absolutely. There was a rock which was following them. Can you imagine a rock following them? Wherever they went, the rock was was behind them. First they had to strike the rock. Next they had to only speak to the rock and what? Reverse in the desert. So this is not true. It's more. And uh, there is no food and no water and our soul loathes this worthless bread. So the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people and and they bit the people and many of the people of Israel died. This is the scene. And you know the story. Okay. Now, why it was why was all this written? The reason they were written, I mean, in, in the experiences of Israel in the wilderness are for us to learn. To, for us to learn from. Look at what it says in First Corinthians chapter ten, verse eleven. Now all these things happened to them as examples. And they were written for 
our admonition. It was their example so that we can get admonished upon whom the ends of the ages has come. So this is the purpose. What is the purpose? To teach us from their examples. What is happening over there? What is the example that God is trying to teach? What is the lesson that God is trying to teach here? Let us read each one of those verses carefully and see what the Lord is trying to teach. Numbers chapter 21. Then they journeyed from Mount Hor by the way of the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom. And the soul of the people became very discouraged on the way. You see this word? Discouraged. Other translations will use the word impatient. Okay. This is very, very interesting word. This word in actually the Hebrew language implies reaping or harvesting. Okay. They're harvesting something. What are they harvesting? There is a law. Whatever you sow, yeah, you can complete. And that you, that will also you, that also you will reap. But actually what you sow, you will reap much more. Okay. They have been sowing certain things in all these years. Let me tell you something. We also sow. Our current situation, wherever we are in, is a result of a lot of sowing. Okay. What I call as making choices. Decisions that we have made. Words that we have spoken. Relationships that we got ourselves into. The careers that we have chosen for ourselves. Everything in our life. There is one law that you can never escape. The law of sowing and reaping. And the Bible very clearly says, God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man sows, that's exactly what he will reap. The point is, sometimes your forefathers have sowed and you reap, whether good or bad. Okay. David sowed some fantastic things in the spirit and his generations experienced the fruit of it. And there's a principle in Job's gospel, I mean not Job's gospel, Job chapter 4 and verse 8. This is what it says. Even as I have seen those who plow iniquity and sow trouble, what do they do? They also Read the same. Okay. Those who sow the wind will reap the whirlwind. And this is exactly what happens. They were sowing. And what were they sowing? Seeds of unbelief. Constantly keep, kept on speaking again, speaking and why, why did the Lord? Why did the Lord? Why did the Lord? Why did the Lord? Always speaking certain things and life and death, as you say, as we know, is in the power of the tongue. So they've been sowing words of unbelief. And now they're reaping. So one of the things that we have to constantly examine in our lives. Let's study where pastor was talking in the mass pastor's conference. He says, examine yourself. If you are in the faith. Exams are coming. This month. Okay. Examine yourself too. Two months are over. The situation that you are in today. The spiritual situation that you find yourself into. Find yourself in. Both personally. And as a family, if you are a head of the household, what is the result? What, what is the reason that you are in a particular situation? What have you been sowing 
through the last two months. Did we believe in the promise that God gave us? Did we continue to speak that promise into our lives? You see, faith has got three important attributes. Faith has to be spoken. Faith has to be acted upon. And faith has to be tested. Three things have to happen. Okay, so if you are in a situation, for example, it, it might, it seems like a trouble, I mean, situation full of trouble, maybe God is testing you to test, to test the genuineness of your faith. So don't worry about that. But, what if you are finding yourself in the same old rut over and over and over again, and you are not breaking through? When you examine yourself, and you look at your life and say, Lord, the result of all these things that are happening in my life, could they have been avoided? Absolutely. Most of the things could have been avoided. But I chose. And what happened is, all those years, one of the things that the children of Israel never learned is to sow in the spirit. Except for two. Three. Moses and Caleb and Joshua. All the others. The Bible says in Jude, Having brought children out of Egypt, what did they do? What did he do? He destroyed them in the wilderness, all those who did not believe. So, look at, look at our lives. Three months over, two months is over. Look at my life, look at my spiritual situation. Do I enjoy the word more? Do I enjoy my family more? Do I enjoy my work more? How, how is my life? How is my life? Do, is, I mean, honestly, if uh, the choice, the kind of choices that we make, are the choices of faith or are the choices of sight? So examine your harvest all the time. Keep examining it. And some, sometimes, uh, one man of God says, no, an unexamined life is not worth living. Examine. So examine. So they sowed and they were frustrated. Let's, let's move on. And the people spoke against what? God. And against Moses. You see, this is one of the major, major problems. I was talking to one sister the other day. She was discussing me with, with me some issues and concerns that she has in her family. And in the course of our discussion, you know, one of the things that I told the sister, I said, you know, sister, in my life as a Christian and in a few years of my ministry, I have seen very few people who take responsibility for their own actions. Very few. Very, very few. Very few people. I mean, it's so rare to find one genuine person who says, you know what, Lord, I am responsible. Very rare. Isn't it true? Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no food, there is no water, and our soul hates this worthless bread. Despising the word too. Now the result is remarkable. The result is something which is mind-blowing. Sometimes I wonder how God looks at certain things in our lives. I mean certain things, certain sins are very, very serious in the sight of God. Numbers chapter 21, this is what the Lord says, the Bible says. The Lord sent fiery serpents among the people. 
I was giving this example in one of the meetings. Some ch- school, I mean, some homes, when you go to their home, there is a, there's a board on the gate. What, is the, what does the board say? Beware of dogs. Okay? Your, your friend invited you. Okay, one of the things recently I've, I'm finding trouble with is one dog in our colony. That fellow, he looks at me, he gets agitated. I don't know why. And uh, I, I want to, I want to talk to him and reason with him. It's not going to be possible. And I wanted to also do certain things and call the MCH fellow and take them, but he has got a collar. So obviously something, uh, I mean, somebody owns the dog. I don't know. But let me give you, let, let me tell you what it means. What I'm trying to convey here. So when you go to a home and you are not, you don't appreciate dogs much. Even if it is a pug or a very friendly dog, what you would ask your friend, please tie your dog. Okay. Now, unless the dog is tied, you cannot go inside and enjoy the fellowship or whatever the invitation that your friend has called you for. You cannot do that. So first you want to make sure, beware of dog. Anna, Kateshnava, first thing. And then I will enter. Okay. Please, I mean, for me, uh, I am not like Pastor James, okay. I cannot tolerate dogs somehow. Okay, it's, I cannot, cannot, cannot. Even t- till date, it's impossible for me to fathom a relationship with a dog. Okay. But because the other day I was so frustrated with this dog. I said, how do I deal with this? So I said, I'll, t- I'll take a stick. And I took a stick, big stick, and I just tapped the ground like this. All the dogs in the family, in the colony started shouting at me. Even the Tommy who is, you know, more or less friendly and afraid of me. And I threw that uh, thing out to the side and I said, okay, let me escape this dog somehow, take another route. So, so let, what I'm trying to convey here is this. As long as a dog is restrained, you can have fellowship, you can enjoy. At least me with a peace of mind. Okay, I can have peace in my life knowing that the dog is tied. That is restraining. What happens is, here the Bible says, the actual word, sent. The Bible says, God released fiery serpents among them. What did he do? He released, meaning, something was holding back the fiery fiery serpents. Okay? And because the children of Israel did something, God removed the restraints. And automatically, what came? fiery serpents came into their lives and started biting them and many of the people died. Many people died. That word sent means God did not send him, said God does not send like this. God released, meaning he just removed the restraints. I'll give you an example in the from the Bible. First Samuel chapter 16. First Samuel chapter 16. But the spirit of the Lord departed from Saul. Okay? The moment the spirit of the Lord departed from Saul, what happens? He came out of the presence of God, the restraining hand of God, all the, the spirit of God was restraining all the demonic activity over his life. That was removed. And like yesterday we heard in the Q&A, nature does not allow a vacuum. What happens? Automatically all the other spirits got attracted to him. And the Bible says there was a spirit called the distressing spirit from the Lord, which was allowed to torment him now. I mean, this is a very important spiritual truth, my dear brothers and sisters, especially young children. Let me tell you, you came, come out of the, 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 the authority that, you, that God has placed you under, your father and mother, for example, in your home. 
as long as you are under the covering of the father and mother, you know what? There's a protection. Because, let me tell you, we, we know we know Psalm 91, no? What is that? He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Okay, I will save the Lord. He is my refuge and my fortress. My God in Him will I trust. Surely He will deliver me from the snare of the fallen. And under His wings you shall trust. His truth shall be your shield and your buckler. Thou shalt not be afraid of the terror by night. That means there are terrors. Nor for the arrow that flies by day, that means there is arrows. See, all these things are inside, outs. I mean, there are, all these arrows are flying. You cannot escape those arrows. It's like, you know, there are germs around. Okay. And there are germs inside your body too. And there is something called as the immune system which is constantly fighting those germs. There is demonic activity all around. And if you want to have the the immune system, the spiritual immune system to ward off these attacks of the enemy, what are you supposed to be? You're supposed to be under the protection of God. And what, has, what did God do? The moment they spoke against God and against who? Ah. Against Moses. The shepherd over their lives. The shepherd who was overseeing them. You know what God did? He removed the restraints and automatically what happened? The fiery serpents were released into their lives and they bit many of them. What happened to this guy? The moment he rebelled against God, the Spirit of the Lord departed from Saul and the evil spirit, look at it. Surely a distressing spirit from God is troubling you. You know, this is what we call as therapy. You know, what do, what do, what do therapy, therapists do? Therapists don't deal with your disease and the symptom of your disease. They only try to placate it. So, David comes, David plays the music, and for a period of time, you know, because of the anointing over David, the evil spirit goes off, but the moment David goes off, what happens to him? Evil spirit comes back. You see? Another example. First Kings chapter 22. Also Jehoshaphat said to the king of Israel, please inquire of the word of the Lord today. Then the king of Israel gathered the prophets together and 400 men. And said to them, shall I go against Ramoth Gilead to fight or shall I refrain? So they said, go up for the Lord will deliver it into the, into the hand of the king. These are what we call as yes men. We will always say good about you. And then, <clears throat> then Jehoshaphat said, is there still a prophet of the Lord here that we may inquire of him? Everybody is saying the same thing. What is this, Baba? And then maybe one, one, one fellow said, in the mount of two or three witnesses, get, everything gets established. Come on, this is from the Lord. But deep down inside of his heart, you know, Jehoshaphat had some kind of a discernment. He looked at these fellows and he said, you know what, these guys are not very genuine. I can see some, you know, sometimes you know genuine people. And you know, sometimes duplicate also. They're too good to be true sometimes. Okay. And he's like, these words are too good to be true. Okay. Is there another voice whom we can inquire? So the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, there is still one man, Micaiah, the son of Imla, by whom we may inquire of the Lord. But I... Everybody say that. But I, what is that? Hate him. I hate him. Why do you hate him? Because is he not, is he not good? Is he not concerned about you? Does he not love you? No, 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 no. He loves me too much. He loves me too much that he always says what is wrong with me. Because he does not prophesy good concerning me, but only evil. That means you already know. 
Then Micaiah said, you know, he, they bring Micaiah, you know the story. Hear the word of the Lord. I saw a Lord sitting on the throne and all the host of heaven standing by on his right hand. And the Lord said, who will persuade Ahab to go up that he may fall by Ramad Gilead? So one spoke on this manner, another spoke in that manner. Then a spirit came forward and stood before the Lord and said, I will persuade him. Who is this fellow? In what way? I will go out and be a lying spirit in the mouth of all his prophets. You shall persuade him and you shall also prevail. Go and do so. Therefore, look, the Lord has put a what? A lying spirit in all. And that's the reason, you know, when Micah also says, I saw Israel scattered as a sheep without what? A shepherd. You know what? The covering is gone now. The restraints are taken out. And what is going to happen now? The evil spirits are going to come and attack you. Young brothers and young sisters. Older brothers and older sisters too. There are certain protections that God gives us. As long as you stay in that protection, you are safe. The moment you go out, there are arrows. You cannot stop the arrows. There are so many ideas. You cannot stop those ideas. If you want to insulate yourself, you know, that's the reason why, you know, the Bible says you're not supposed to be, uh, you have to be insulated from the world. It's like a fish in, uh, in uh, salt water. Salt water fish. Okay. You get, you buy salt water fish. When you come back home, after you cut it, what do you put into it? Again. Salt. Why? The salt is everywhere outside, but not inside. It was insulated from salt. So as long as you stay under the protection, God will, there's, 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 there are certain, there are certain, um, what do you say, hedges. And uh, dogs will not come and bite you. You know? Okay? All the spirits are like these stray dogs on the streets of Hyderabad. Okay? As long as you stay under the protection, these dogs will not come to you. That's the reason that the Bible says, you know, when Jesus was suffering on the cross, he says, dogs have surrounded me. Dogs! Demonic spirits. Okay. So, Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 10. With all unrighteous deception among those who perish because they did not receive the love of truth that they may be saved. And for this reason, what will God do? God will send them a strong delusion that they should believe a lie, that they should all be condemned who did not believe the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. God gives you over. So understand this. Okay. Protections. Another way. You fall into trouble. You get into trouble. Proverbs chapter 23. Do not look on the wine when it is red. When it sparkles in the cup. When it swirls around smoothly. And at last it bites like a what? Serpent. <laughs> what does it bite? It bites like a serpent. Ultimately it bites like a serpent. Your eyes will see strange things and your heart will utter perverse things. You will be like the one who lies on the midst of the, uh, lies down in the midst of the sea or like the one who's on the top of the mast. They have struck me, but I was not hurt. They have beaten me, but I do not feel it. When shall I awake? When, when am I see, seek the next drink? You see that? What is this? The things, temptations, attractions in this world. Again, God says, these are some places where you are not supposed to be. Don't be there. 
Don't choose these these friendships. Don't choose these relationships. Stay away. It might look very nice. Ultimately, what happens? It will strike you like a serpent. Give another example. Judges chapter 16. Judges chapter 16. And she said, the Philistines are upon you, Samson. You know this story, right? So he awoke from his sleep and said, I will go out as before, as at other other times, and shake myself free. But he did not know that the... Who departed from him? The Lord departed from him. Now he is open to the demonic. All these things have come. And... And destroying him spiritually. You see, don't, it's to stop, stop at the first, first time. You know, I mean, it's easy to say no for the first time. Next time when you compromise, it'd be very difficult to say the no, no the second time. That is the reason why Daniel, he purposed in his heart. The first time he had this food from the king's table, he said, what? What did he say? No. Otherwise, later on, it becomes very, very difficult. How far can I push? the boundaries, and not become an addict. How far I can push the boundaries and not become, that it may not become a wise. Say no the first time. Don't even try. When we were kids, no, in our school there used to be, uh, there was this anti-drugs campaign. Okay. So they were teaching men, they were, because from those days itself, there used to be a lot of peddlers on the streets. So in the school, they were, they were actually, uh, educating us. You know what they did? They got, they got this, uh, movie, and they showed this guy who was an addict. His final stage was, the guy was like, like a corpse, completely like this, totally disheveled dis- and disoriented. They, sh- they showed that picture, and that picture stayed in my mind. And I said, I never want to go there. I never want to go there. And you know what that person who said, um, who was uh, educating us, he says, everybody, they take the first thing, when they take the first puff or the first bite or the first this thing, they think they can overcome it. It's easy. It's, they will say it's all in the mind, bro. Ultimately, it becomes a stronghold and they don't have the strength to overcome. And the, over a period of time, they realize that now they become a, it's become a wise and they become a slave. Don't push the limits. If you push the limits, you're tempting Christ. First Corinthians chapter 9, verse 1, verse 9, verse 9, verse, verse, chapter 10, verse 9. This is how the Bible looks at this entire episode in, um, uh, Numbers chapter 21. Now, nor let us tempt Christ. What is that? Tempt Christ as some of them also tempted and were destroyed by the serpents. You see that? Tempt Christ. Don't push the limits. So, they push the limits. They tempted Christ, they chose the wrong ways, the restraints were removed. The serpents came, bit a few, bit a, bit a lot of them, some of them died. And then, the story goes on. So the Lord sent fiery serpents, and they bit the people, and many of the people died. Numbers chapter 21. Therefore the people came to Moses and said, we have sinned. For we have spoken against the Lord and against you. Pray to the Lord that he may take away the serpents from us. So Moses prayed for the people. And look at the solution of God. Numbers chapter 21. Then the Lord said to Moses, Make a what serpent? A fiery serpent. And set it on a pole. And it shall be that everyone who is bitten, when he, what? Looks at it. Shall live. 
So Moses made a bronze serpent, put it on the pole. So it was, if a serpent had bitten anyone, when he looked at the bronze serpent, he lived. What did he do? He just looked at the bronze serpent. I'm sorry, bronze serpent. Now, what is this looking? What happened when they looked at the bronze serpent? Ultimately, what happened to them? They lived. If you don't look at, if you do not look at the look at the bronze serpent, you will die. Very simple. Okay. If you want to pass from death to life, what should you do? Look at the bronze serpent. Serpent. Romans chapter one. We know this verse very well. Romans chapter one, verse sixteen onwards, sixteen and seventeen. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation for everyone who believes. For the Jew first and also to the Greek, for in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall what? Live. Understand that. If you want to live, look at the bronze serpent. Look at the serpent. Look unto him. So what should I look? What did I commit? I committed sin. So what should I look? I should look at the person who made, who was made sin, so that I could be made what? Righteous. So, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 21. This is what it says. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. This is as simple, as simple as that. The gospel is so simple. What is it? Look unto Jesus. What happened to him? On the cross, he was made sin for my sin. He took my sin upon himself so that I may be made what? Righteous. So if you believe that, you will live. Otherwise, you will die. Galatians chapter 3 verse 13. We know this verse very well. Christ has redeemed from the curse of the Lord, having become a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on the tree. So on the tree, he was hanging. On the pole, he was hanging. He was made a curse so that we may enjoy the blessing. So if you want the blessing, look unto him and believe. So how does this believing happen? Let me give you an example. Luke's Gospel chapter 23. Luke's Gospel chapter 23. This is the dying thief on the cross. How he looked at Jesus. Verse 14 onwards. The other answering said, rebuked him and said, Do you not even fear God? Seeing you are under the same condemnation. And we indeed are suffering justly. For we receive the due reward for our deeds. Meaning, we are reaping exactly what we have sown. Ultimately, what he's doing? He's taking responsibility for his action. Let me tell you something. You want deliverance in your life? Come to Jesus and say, Lord, I take responsibility for my, for my actions. The situation that I'm in, it is not my father's fault, not my mother's fault, not my wife's fault, not my children's fault, not my teacher's fault. It is mine. Deliverance happens. So God sees that. God sees. He knows who truly believed. You see? He knows who truly believes. That's the reason why he says, you know, David said, I'm sorry, uh, uh, Pharaoh says I have sinned. Balaam says I have sinned. Achan says I have sinned. After everything has happened, so so many people have died. After all that has happened, and when he is found out, he says I have sinned. Saul says I have sinned. 
And two people also say that I have sinned. David says, I have sinned. And the prodigal son says, I have sinned. We indeed justly, for we receive the due reward for our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. And one of the practices that I want to constantly do in my life, when I'm in a situation, Lord, this situation is because of my sin. My decisions. And when you take responsibility for your actions, you know what happens? Deliverance starts in your life. That is the reason why he says, he who hides his sin will not prosper, but he who confesses and forsakes. What does he obtain? Mercy. The situations will not change until and unless we take responsibility for our actions in our life. We want to experience that faith. The faith that the transmission of the power into our lives. We have to take responsibility for our actions. Then he said to Jesus, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And you know what Jesus says? And Jesus said to him, assuredly, I say to you, today, you will be with me in paradise. Today. Of all the people in this world I've seen, the first person who actually took responsibility for his actions, this is the person. This is the person. Nobody else. In all my years, three and a half years, maybe Jesus was saying, you know what? Finally, I looked at one fellow who said, you know what, Lord? I am reaping what I sowed. (laughs) I am responsible for this mess. And Jesus says, absolutely, you are forgiven. Your, Your sin has been removed. That's exactly what... God tells Jesus, right? Oh, so David, I have also taken away your sin. So the first aspect of looking at Jesus, that he took the penalty for my sin. And if you truly repent and believe, you see, so many people died. A lot of people were bitten and some of them died. Why did they die? Because were they worse sinners than the others? No. And the Bible says in Luke's Gospel chapter 13, you remember? Uh, Pilate mixed the blood of the sacrifices with the, with those fellows who were killed. And uh, Jesus says, do you think they were worse sinners than them? No. Unless you repent, you will also what? Likewise perish. The tower which fell on those people and so many people died. Do you think they were worse sinners? No. Unless you repent, you likewise perish. So many people died today. I mean, today so many people might have died in an accident. Do you think they are worse sinners? No. Some some young people died in, remember, Pastor was talking about the accident that took place in Greece. So many people died. Were they worse sinners than us? No. Unless we repent, we should also, likewise, perish. So this morning, first thing, look unto Jesus. Very simple. That he became sin for my sin. So that I be made righteous. He became a curse for my curse. So that I could enjoy his blessing. See, very simple. That's the first part of the message. Simple. Very Gospel is very simple. He became my substitute. He died in my place. The dying thief rejoiced to see the fountain in his day. And there may I, though while as he, will wash all my sins away. So if you confess and you put your trust in Jesus, doesn't matter how, whatever the quantum of your sin and the depth of your sin, it doesn't matter whatever is your, your sin. If you confess and if you repent, the blood of Jesus will cleanse and you will be given a right standing with God. That's the first step. That is how you look into Jesus. The second aspect of looking into Jesus, this is very important. Again, this is, this is the second aspect of looking into Jesus. Exodus chapter 3. Let's, let's read a few verses. <clears throat> Again, a, another picture. Now Moses <clears throat> was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. 
And he led the flock to the back of the desert. And he came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire from the midst of the bush. So he looked. You see that? So he looked. And behold, the bush was burning with fire. And the bush was not consumed. Now what is this? There's a bush. The bush is on fire. But the bush is not consumed. What is a fire a symbol of? Symbol of fire. The symbol of judgment. Okay? Fire a symbol of judgment. Fire is all around the bush. But the fire is not consumed. Why is the fire not consumed? Because somebody else took my judgment. Who is that person? Jesus. So, is a picture of the cross. It's a picture of death, burial and resurrection of Jesus. How do I know it? This is not what I, this is not my idea. Look at what it says in Matthew's Gospel according to Matthew chapter 22. <clears throat> Jesus answered and said, you are mistaken or you are deceived, not knowing the scriptures nor the power of God. For in the resurrection they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are like the angels of God in heaven. And look at what it says. Next verse. But concerning the resurrection of the dead, have you not read what God spoke to you by God? Well, what was spoken to you by God saying, I am the God of Abraham, God of Isaac, God of Jacob. God is not the God of the dead, but of the living. And when the multitudes heard this, they were astonished at this. And what is, what is he referring to? What is he referring to over here? Luke's Gospel chapter 20. But even Moses showed, you see that? The burning bush passage, that the dead are raised when he called the Lord, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. So who is appearing in the burning bush? The angel of the Lord is appearing. Who is the angel of the Lord? Jesus Christ. In, the, in, his, in his pre-incarnation form, he is, the, he is a theophany. He is Jesus Christ. What is the picture of? It is a picture of the death, burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Okay? So, this is a picture of the resurrection. This is a picture of the cross. Now, what happened? Moses turned aside and he looked. Let's go back to Exodus chapter 3. So he, so he looked and behold the bush was burning with fire. The bush was not consumed. Then Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight. Now remember what is looking unto mean, I told you. Turning away from all the other things and what? Fixing your eyes on Jesus. Now what is Moses doing? He's turning aside and fixing his eye on Jesus. And look at the word next verse. Very interesting. It says, when the Lord saw that he turned aside to look. See, not every look is a look. The Lord has to see whether there is faith in that, in that look or not. The Bible says, the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was very great and every thought and inclination of his heart was what? Evil continually. Okay, so God called him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. And he said, do not draw near this place. Take your sandals off your feet for the place you stand is holy ground. Now, what is this a picture of? What am I supposed to look in? Look at. No, there are three aspects we, we have been hearing through the, through the week we've been hearing. If you want to overcome sin, what do you need? Excuse me? What do you need? Mm, yeah, okay, fine. If you want to overcome sin, how do you overcome sin by? Uh, anything which is not of faith. So how do you overcome sin? By faith. Okay. How do you overcome the world? 
whatever is born of God overcomes the world and this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. Okay, so I'm refreshing, okay? I'm not teaching anything new. Now, the third thing. I want to withstand the devil. How do I overcome this, overcome the demonic? Standing firm in faith, I resist him. So three things I need. I need faith to overcome sin. I need faith to overcome the world. I need faith to resist the devil. How do I get this faith? You understand? I want to overcome sin. I want to overcome the world. I want to overcome the demonic. How do I get this faith? I need faith. How do I get this faith? Now the Bible, we already gave a clue in Hebrews chapter 12. Looking unto Jesus. Where should I look? No, to to get deliverance from the penalty of sin, I looked at Jesus on the cross and I looked at him and I put my trust in him and said, you know what? He was made sin for me so that I be made righteous. This is what we call as identification. He was bruised for our iniquities. Okay? He was chastised for our sins. The, the chastisement of our peace was upon him and by his stripes. If you read the entire chapter of Isaiah chapter 53, just go and read how many times the word his and him, the pronouns are used. So many times his, him, his, him, wherever it is not needed also, that is, it is introduced. Why? So that your eyes are what? On Jesus. So he was became, he became, he became the penalty for my sin. So when I look at him and I say, Lord, you, you were made sin for, for me. Fantastic. I put my trust in you. All my sins are washed away. I've been completely made new. Uh, just as if I've never sinned, I've been given a right standing with God. Fantastic. But now I have to overcome sin. What do I need? I need faith. So what do I do? I should still Look unto Jesus. What should I look? Is the question. If I have to overcome sin, what should I look? Answer is given. Romans chapter 6. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, knowing this, now read that, that our old man was crucified. So what do I do? When I look at the cross, what do I see? I see my old man crucified together on the cross. So that now what? I don't have to live in sin anymore. I can overcome the power of sin. So when I look at that, what is important into my life is faith. That's the first aspect. Okay, first aspect. Second thing I have to, I have to overcome the world. How do I overcome the world? By faith. How do I get this faith? How do I get this faith? The answer is what? Looking unto Jesus. Where? On the cross. Galatians chapter 6. But God forbid that I should boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ by whom the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. So when I look at the cross, what am I seeing? I'm also seeing all the influence of the world also being taken taken away on the cross. Okay? So the influence of sin, the nature has been dealt with on the cross. By faith, I appropriate that. Second, I also see the influence of the world has been taken on the cross. So the world has been crucified. Third, who's the, who's the next fellow? The demonic. Let us see. Colossians chapter 2. 
and you being dead in your trespasses and uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made alive together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses. That's exactly what he did. He forgave all your trespasses. How, how did he forgive you? By taking the penalty of the sin upon himself. So when you look at him on the cross, he has taken away the penalty of the sin. Look at what it, ha- what happens in the next verse. Having wiped out the handwriting of the requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us, and he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. And what happens? Having disarmed principalities, powers, he had made them a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them. So even the demonic was taken on the cross, if I believe. So what happens? When the devil comes and says, you know what? The greatest weapon of the devil is, you know what? Condemnation and guilt. Okay. When you are tempted to sin, you'll say, God will forgive. It's okay. Just do it off now. Okay. You will not surely die. Just, just for, ask for forgiveness later, God will forgive you. Sin and ask forgiveness. Yeah. Or carefully sin. Okay. And he tempts you to sin. After, after you sin, now you are feeling very bad about it. And, and, and hey, you, you hypocrite. No? Now you think God will forgive you? How convenient, no? How convenient? Full of condemnation and guilt. And many people cannot move forward because you know what? These thoughts of condemnation, these thoughts of guilt just torment them. Look at the guy, you know, who was paralyzed. Why was he paralyzed? Because of condemnation. I feel it was because of condemnation. And his friend said, you know what? Jesus will will heal you. He said, no, my sin is too much, bro. Too much. They said, you know what? Shut your mouth. I'm taking you anywhere. They went, they took out the roof and they put him down and Jesus saw their faith. And he said, son, can you imagine the first words that came out of his mouth was, son, your sins are forgiven you. What a statement. Who's saying that? God. Son, your sins are forgiven you. Is there anybody? Who are your, who are your accusers, sister? Anybody? Woman? Accusing you? No one. I also do not accuse you. Go and sin no more. What a statement. The accusing finger of the devil is removed. You have freedom. That is the reason the Bible says they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of the testimony. Who is this fellow? They overcame the devil. What is, he, what is he doing? He is accusing the brothers night and day before God. All he can do is accusing, 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 accusing. If the moment I sin, you know what your pastor did? Assistant pastor of, of Grace Tabernacle Church. This is what he's doing. You want to show extend mercy to him? He's the accuser. Father says, absolutely right. And then there is an advocate. That's what Bible says in 1 John chapter 2. I say, I write these things to you so that you may not sin. But even if you sin, we have a who? Advocate. Who is he? Jesus Christ, the righteous. And how is he able to forgive? Because he says, Father, I know what he did is right was wrong. Now he has confessed his sin. I have taken the punishment of his sin because I, through the spirit, eternal spirit, once for all, have taken all the sin of all mankind. You can forgive him because he has confessed and he has repented. Let him go. So therefore, if you confess your sins, 
He is faithful and he is just to forgive you. And the blood of Jesus Christ will cleanse you from all your unrighteousness. What a truth. So, by faith, you know what? When you look unto Jesus, the power of the enemy is broken. The power of your flesh is broken. The power of the world is broken. If you appropriate this, faith is important. And you are able to overcome the world. You are able to overcome your flesh. And you are able to overcome the devil. Do you understand? Three things. I was thinking, I was thinking, Lord, how do I get this faith, Lord? I need faith to overcome my flesh, Lord, but I don't have. And then the God, you know what? The Lord answered me. He said, "Vijay, very simple. Look unto me." <laughs> I said, "Where, Lord? On the cross? I became sin. Your old man is crucified on the cross. Do you believe it? Yes, Lord, I believe. You don't have to sin anymore. Yield the members of your body as instrument of righteousness now." Because I've taken the penalty of sin. Sin shall not have dominion over you because you are no longer under the law, but under grace. Take it away. The sting of sin is broken. And what is the sting of sin? Death and law is taken. It's taken away. I said, thank you, Lord. What about the world? On the cross. (laughs) On the cross. Look at, look at the cross. Vijay, when you look at me, the power of the world is broken on the cross. The prince of this world has come to me and he has found nothing in me. Even till death, nobody can challenge that statement. In, in God, John's Gospel chapter 8, you know what he says? He makes a powerful statement. Which of you can accuse me of sin? Which of you has the capacity and the audacity to accuse me of sin? Anybody? Nobody. Sin was taken on the cross. The old man was crucified on the cross. The old rebel, the old Adam with all his passions and lusts and his desires was taken on the cross. So what is Jesus saying? Look unto me and be saved, O you GTC people. You don't have to sin. Sin doesn't have to have power over you. The world doesn't have to have the power over you. Devil doesn't have to have the power over you. Look at the cross. Believe this morning. Look unto Jesus. Deuteronomy chapter 32, this is what it says. And the Lord saw, the Lord saw Moses, that he turned aside to see. <laughs> the Lord sees so many of us. He spawned them. Who spawned them? The Lord. Because of the provocation of his sons and his daughters. And he said, I will hide my face from them. I will see what their end will be. For they are a perverse generation, children in whom there is no faith. Why? You know why? Why is there is no faith? Because they don't look at the cross. That is the reason why meditation of the cross is such a powerful tool. My dear brothers, keep on meditating on the cross. You know what happens? When you keep on looking at the cross, you know what happens? Faith keeps on getting imparted. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. The life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God. You know why? Because I've appropriated the cross into my life. I'm looking at the cross every day. That is the reason why you should sing that song. When I survey the wondrous cross on which the Prince of Glory died, my richest gain, I count for loss and I pour contempt on all my pride. Forbid it, Lord, that I should boast save in the death of Christ my Lord. And all the vain things, the worldly things that charm me most, I sacrifice them to to his blood. See from his hands, his head, his feet, sorrow and love from mingled down. Did ever such love and sorrow meet, nor thorns compose so rich a crown. Where where the whole realm of nature mine, where offering far too small, love so amazing, so divine, demands my soul, my life, my all. Survey the cross this morning. Look at him and be saved. Look at him and be saved. Have faith. That's the reason why the Bible says, do you have faith in God? 
Also have faith in me. <laughs> repentance towards God and faith towards me. What is repentance? Repentance, Lord, I am sorry for my sin. Okay, you want me to forgive you? Okay, believe that your that my son took the penalty for your sin. Lord, I want to overcome sin. You you want to overcome sin? Fantastic. Believe that my son in your son, in my son, your old man was crucified. Fantastic. Lord, I want to overcome the world. You want to overcome the world? Look at my son. When you when you look at the son, look at my son. You know what happens? The world will be crucified to you and you to the world. Lord, I want to overcome the devil. Look at my son. You don't have to live under condemnation. You don't have to live under guilt. I've taken away. I've disarmed the enemy. The greatest work of the of Jesus was disarming the devil. How did Moses overcome Pharaoh and his entire army? You know what he did? He disarmed them. How? Put a stick. They also put their sticks. This sticks fall. See, for Moses, stick is not important. God is important. For Janus and Jambrans, what is important? Stick is important. So what did he do? He took away the stick. Once the stick was removed, two, three times they could do, and from the fourth time they said, Lord, this is the finger of God. Please leave him, leave him alone. How did uh, Goliath, was David kill Goliath? By his own sword. What did he do? He disarmed him. I mean, think about it now. Look at the statement. I will give your flesh to the carcasses of the, of, of the, uh, the birds of the air uh, and, and to the beasts of the field. How, David? You don't even have a, have a knife. I will take your knife. I will use your weapon. I disarm you. You know what Jesus did? He crushed the serpent's head. Now all the serpent is doing is waving its tail. What is he doing? Waving its tail. You know what we should do? <laughs> Take care of it. He is disarmed. He only waves his tail. You know what? It's like this, not the teeth of the of the lion is taken off. All the teeth are taken off. The lion can do nothing. It can only roar. It can only roar. It can only intimidate. He has been disarmed completely. He was overcome on the cross. So they overcame him. How? By the blood of the lamb and by the word of the testimony. So the question you will ask is, Vijay, you're very, this is very, very interesting. But how do I look? How is this process of looking at Jesus on the cross worked in my life? Okay, let us see. Exodus chapter 15, again, looking at Jesus this morning, okay? Exodus chapter 15, I'm looking at several passages where Jesus is the focus, okay? Exodus chapter 15. So Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea, and they went out into the wilderness of Shur. And they went three days in the wilderness and found no water. Now when they came to Mara, notice that word Mara, okay? Mara. For they were, they could not drink the waters of Mara. For they were bitter. Therefore, the name of the place was called Mara. Exodus chapter 15 and verse 24. And the people complained against Moses. Starts there. Hmm? Saying, what shall we drink? So he cried to the Lord. And the Lord showed him a... What, is, what did the Lord show A tree. The moment is a tree. What is it? It's a cross. So when he cast the tree into the waters... What happened to the waters? The waters were made sweet. The waters were made sweet. Okay, I'm looking at you, Jesus, right? But how does that work into my life? He did so many things for me on the cross. 
but the cross has to do certain things in me. So in order for the cross to do certain things in me, what should I do? He, sh- he gave them an ordinance. He showed them a parable. He says, you know what? You guys, when you open from open your mouth, all that is coming is ingratitude and complaining and murmuring. All bitterness. In order for sweetness to come out of your mouth, what should happen? The cross should work in your heart. So in order for the cross to work in your heart, this is what I have to do. Exodus chapter 15. Let's move on. He doesn't stop there. And he made a statute and an ordinance for them. And then he tested them and said, if you diligently heed my voice and do what is right in his sight, give ear to his commandments, keep all his statutes, I will put none of these diseases on you, which I brought you, which I have brought on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you, or Jehovah Rapha, and as Derek Pitt says, I am the Lord, your God, your doctor. Who's your doctor? I am the Lord, your doctor. I remember now when I went to a clinic so many years, so many days back. I went to the clinic. There's a Christian man. I enter into the clinic. The first statement on the, on that, there's an arch over there. It says, Jehovah Rapha. I said, thank you, Lord. In other words, the doctor is saying, I don't heal you. I only give you medicine, but my God heals you. So what is that medicine? In order to experience this doctor, what is the work of the cross in my life? What should I do? Very simple truths here. First truth. On which every other truth is, 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 is dependent upon. Heed, do, give ear, keep. Four verbs. Heed, do, give ear, keep. But where does it start? Heed. Okay. What should you heed? Everybody read that. Heed the voice of the Lord. How? Diligently. Diligently heed the voice of the Lord. Now who is this voice? Teaching. Basically it is teaching. Okay. This is teaching. Teaching is important. Okay. Now, they're at, where were they? They were at Mara. Okay. Mara means bitter. Also means rebellion. Two things. It means bitterness. It means rebellion. So there are two bitter people in a home who were healed by Jesus. I mean, who were forgiven by Jesus. But one was healed of her bitterness and one was not. How was one healed and how was one not? Give you an example. Luke's Gospel chapter 10. Now it happened as they went into into a certain village and a certain woman named, what's her name? Martha. You know what Martha means? She is bitter. That's what it means. She is rebellious, she is bitter. That's the two words. Rebellious, bitter. Welcomed him into our house. And she had a sister called Mary. You know what Mary means? And it's very interesting how people use Mary. On the contrary, Mary means rebellion. Bitter. Two bitter people. Mar and Mar. Martha and Miriam. Both of them have Mara in their lives. Had Mara in their lives. And she had a sister called Mary. Now, for the sister called Mary, she wanted to get rid of her bitterness. So, what did she do? Sat at the feet of Jesus and heard his word. If you diligently heed my voice. Okay. What was she doing? She was sitting at Jesus' feet and was, you know what? She had an even terrible 
testimony, right? She was cured of how many devils? Seven demons. She would have been a bitter woman, maybe, I don't know, until Jesus healed her. But Martha was distracted and with much serving. So two bitter people, one is Martha, both root words are the same, okay, Mar Mar, okay, Mar Mar, okay. Two marmars in their sister, okay? So they, before they, before they met Christ, if you go to their house, you'll get marmar. Hmm? <laughs> Martha was distracted. Okay? Distracted. Okay? It's like typical Ruth and, and uh, Naomi's situation. What does Ruth call herself? I mean, sorry, Naomi call herself? Mara. Ruth was the one, one, one person who dealt with a bitterness. So let's read on. Martha was distracted with much serving and she approached him and said, Lord, I told you, no? Who's the problem now? You are the problem. Lord, don't you care? Okay. And this is how I read my Bible now today. And Jesus answered and said to her, Bitterness, bitterness. You are worried and troubled. About so many things. Another one. Rebellion, rebellion. Okay? You are, there's rebellion and there's double rebellion in you. Hmm? You, you, are, you have rebellion and bitterness, both. You are worried and troubled about so many things. But how many things are needful? One thing. You know what? Mary, bitter person once upon a time. She doesn't want to have anything bitter in her life. And one day, when I come into your house, Mary, Martha, you know what she's going to do? She's going to take her entire life and break it at my feet. And what is going to come out? Fragrance. You know why? She was one person who dealt with her bitterness. How? She sat at the feet of Jesus. I remember the demoniac, no? The gathering demoniac. It says, this gathering demoniac was clothed in his right mind and at the feet of Jesus. Kya baat hai? What was he listening now? Listening Diligently. Not even one word, Lord, should fall to the ground. I want to hold on to every word. I was telling my children. Cling to what is good. Abstain from every appearance of evil. You know, how how should you cling to good? Imagine you're drowning. Okay. There is one small piece of wood that is floating on the, on the, on the waters. You're drowning. That wood has no capacity to hold on your weight. Will you let it go? No, you'll still hold on to it. Hold on to what which is good like that. Abstain from every appearance of evil. You know what? How you abstain from every appearance of evil? I'd give them an example. In my life, when I used to go to St. Patrick's school, there was a Sulab complex. You know what Sulab complex is, right? Sulab complex, you know. Sulab, Swach Bharat. Hmm? So you know what it is. When So in order to... If you go 25 meters away from the, 25 meters, okay, almost you can measure it, okay, 25 meters away from the Sulab complex, nice smell will come. So in order to escape that smell or avoid that smell, I used to take a roundabout route. You know why? I don't even want to go 
near that. Hate sin like that. Keep a distance from it. Abstain from it. Cling to what is good as if you are clinging to dear life. So what did Martha do? She, Sorry, Mary do. She sat at Jesus' feet and she kept on listening and listening and listening and listening and listening. And one day Jesus came to her house after Martha, sorry, Lazarus was raised from the dead. You know what, he, what she did? She came. She brought the best of her life and she broke it at Jesus' feet. Her name changed from Martha or rather Mary to Naomi. What is happening? Pleasantness is coming out of her life. You know why? The cross has done its work in her life now. Cross has done. So what you should do? You should heed the voice. What should you do? You should heed the voice. Exodus chapter 15. Heed the voice of the Lord. Where do you you get from? Where do you get this voice from? The question is this. How do you get this voice? When you read the Bible? Yes. More importantly, when the word is being preached. Okay? More importantly, when the word is being preached. Luke's Gospel chapter 3. Okay? As it is written in the book of the words of the prophet Isaiah saying, what is this? What is this? Ah, the voice. It's not John the Baptist. The voice. <laughs> What is important? The voice. That's the reason the pastor keeps telling us, no, I didn't want to, didn't want YouTube because we always wanted to be a voice. Because YouTube gets all, it has a lot of good things and a lot of other things also. Like warnings and strikes and all those things that come onto your website. Hmm? So, as long as you're a voice, prepare. What does the, what, what the voice say? The voice of the one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. So in order for us to have the way of the Lord prepared and to have path straight, what should, what should I do? This voice has to do, to do four things. Every valley has to be filled. Every hill has to be brought low. Every crooked path has to be made straight. Everything which has to be, which is rough has to be made smooth. So the voice, in order for the work of the cross to be done in my life, when I hear the message of the cross, four things have to happen. Four things in my heart has to happen, in my mind and in my heart. Because he through the Holy Spirit is going to write his law on my heart and in my mind. Four things have to happen. What has to happen? First, all the valleys have to be filled. All the what? High mountains have to be brought low. In other words, have to be humbled. Third, all the crooked things have to be made straight and all the rough things have to be made smooth. Four things have to happen. I divided them into four categories. First, this voice has to deal with four categories of thoughts in our in our lives because thoughts don't originate from your mind. They originate from the... Because out of the heart proceed first thing, Evil thoughts, okay. Okay, out of the heart proceed, evil thoughts. Because you will think as what, what you believe, right? You'll think what you believe, you know that, right? So we mean taught that. So let's read Luke's Gospel chapter 3. Four things, I've identified four things. Four things, first thing. Habitual or iniquitous thoughts, that are valleys. What are valleys? 
Grand Canyon. No, what Grand Canyon means? Over a period of time, the canyons have been made. These are habitual patterns in your life. You walk that path every day and over a period, initially it was full of grass and you walked and walked and walked and walked on that path. Now what has happened? A nice pathway has been formed. These are habitual thought patterns in your mind. So you get up in the morning, what do you do? See, we are all people of habit. We are absolutely people of habit. Let me tell you, the moment you enter into the church, okay, what is your habit? You take your chair according to your habit. Some people move forward. Some people move backward. All these young children, they want to sit in the first place. I like that. It's good, bro. It's good sisters, right? Very nice. They want to listen to the professor. They want to listen to the teacher. So they all come to the front. And one place in pastor's conference, I have never forsaken. I hold on with dear my dear life. Is that position there? Kya baat hai? Yesterday, I'm telling you, my brothers and sisters, you have to listen. There was an impartation of the Holy Spirit. We, we might have heard that message so many contexts in so many different places. We heard that message. But yesterday was a different experience altogether. Right there. I mean, I got the double portion of the anointing, almost. I was going, jumping. So, we are people of habit. Okay. So, when you enter into the church, as is your habit, you will choose your seat. Many pastors also. So, yesterday, Sammy, he took away so, so many seats from behind, forcing people to come to the front. Because we are all people of habit. Habitual or iniquitous thoughts. First category. Second, rebellious or logical thoughts. What, what thoughts? Rebellious, logical thoughts, or rather thoughts that justify your rebellion. Second category. Third, crooked, no crooked, perverse generation. What I call worldly or expedient thoughts. What are the, what, what thoughts? Worldly or expedient thoughts. Fourth, bitter and condescending thoughts. Four thoughts. First thought, habitual or iniquitous thoughts, rebellious or logical thoughts, worldly or expedient thoughts, bitter or condescending thoughts. Let us tackle each of these thoughts. When you hear the voice of the Lord, what am I supposed to look? What am I supposed to do when I receive a message? Uh, I was in my home till I went to Masters, I was in my home. I was a day scholar till my BTEC. I think 21 years I went for Masters. 20 years, right? About 21 years, if I'm right. No? 21 years. Yeah, 21 years I went for Masters. 21 years in my home. Okay? 21 years, barring a few vacations, I ate what my mother fed me. Do I remember every meal my mother gave me? But she makes fantastic sambar. Okay. And she gives me compulsory questions. Okay. Okay. You know, because in our home, everything is an examination. Okay. Even eating food is an examination. She will say, this is a compulsory question. What is compulsory question? Tota kura is compulsory. Hmm? So she is to prepare a fantastic meal for us. Boy, right from breakfast. Idli, every day there's no, there's not the same breakfast. Okay. We used to have dosa. Different styles. Flat dosa or dosa. So, so, so many meals I ate. So many hundreds and thousands of meals. I mean, just imagine 30 times 
sorry, uh, 20 times, 365 times, 3, minimally. So many meals. <clears throat> so many meals. And I don't remember many meals. That I, I'm actually, most of the meals I don't, I don't remember. But what I am today in my body is a result of all the meals that I've eaten. Am I right? Similarly, do I remember all the sermons that I listened to in, in the, from the pulpit in uh, GDC? Hundreds of sermons I heard. I don't remember. Okay. But what I'm today, spiritually, is a result of all the sermons that I've consumed. And, like Pastor said, he's a Malayali. So he is a man of habit. He will not change his meals. So he wants a particular diet in his in his food. Similarly, when you are consuming your spiritual food also, ensure that you have a specific order in the meal. You know what Timothy says? Rebuke, exhort, correct with all love and long-suffering. Because a time will come when people will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their itching ears, they will heap for themselves teachers who will flatter them, who will give them sugar. In India, sugar is outside in sugar shops and sugar is inside as diabetes. We are a, we are a result of what we eat. Why do we have diabetes? I remember some, uh, some uh, director the other day I think one, I was listening to a, 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 a interview of a director. He said, to create a, a period movie is very difficult now in India. Why? Because if I, have, if I have to create a scene of all the poor people of those days, most of them were malnutrition and they were thin and skinny. But if I have to cre- create a period movie now, all Indians are fat. And not not skinny. If I have to make a scene with all these with all these characters, I cannot find Indians worth it. They have pot bellies from UP to sorry from from what is that? From Jammu to Kanyakumari. Everybody has got a paunch. Why sweet outside, sweet inside? We are people of habit, my dear brothers. We consume sweet like anything, no? My goodness, I should, my mother used to hide sweet. My wife is doing the same thing now. But I will, I have learned my lesson. Okay, before anything happen, can happen, I want to avoid. Habitual. Luke's Gospel chapter 3. First thing I want to look at, habitual or iniquitous thoughts. Habitual or iniquitous thoughts. What are these thoughts? These are thoughts which have been, which have laid anchor in your life. Jeremiah chapter 4 verse 14. You are accustomed to it. Jeremiah chapter 4 verse 14. Oh, Jerusalem. Who is Jerusalem? You and I. What is Jerusalem? Teaching of peace. People who are pressing on towards perfection. A church which is having a goal of perfection. What is happening? Oh, Jerusalem, wash thine heart from the from your wickedness that thou mayest be saved. How long shall vain, habitual, iniquitous thoughts lodge inside of you? What are they doing? They are renting space in your mind, rent free. They are not even giving you rent. Iniquitous thoughts. I will not forgive. I will not give up this habit. 
Jeremiah chapter 13, he explains this, the outworking of this, explains this, the outworking of this. Jeremiah chapter 13, let's read on, verse 22. And if you say in your heart, why have you, why have these things come upon me? For the greatness of your iniquity, your skirts have been uncovered, your heeds, heels made, made bare. Can an Ethiopian change his skin or the leopard his spots? Answer is, no. If you try to do it, you know what happens, right? Then may you also do good who are what? Accustomed, habituated, habitual to doing evil. You are a person who will do evil. It's in your nature. You're accustomed. You're people of habit. So how do I break this? You know what? The way to break a habit is through another habit. Replacing it with another habit. Because we are no longer under law. But under grace. Our old man is crucified. That's the reason why I said, look unto Jesus. Okay? Luke's Gospel chapter 4, verse 14, verse 16. He went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. I love that. He went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath, he went to the synagogues, as was his. Ah. You know, in one of the translations, 2 Corinthians chapter 16, if I'm right. People, the Bible, the, the KGV uses the word, they are addicted to the church. Oh, what a word? I'm, I'm, I'm going to get that word to you, okay? I'm going to send it on the, on the men's group for sure, okay? They're addicted to the church. What are they addicted to? They cannot do without going to church. They are not satisfied until they have met the children of God. They are, until they have sat with the saints on a Sunday morning or a Wednesday morning, until they have received the word of God. It is a matter of habit. They're addicted. Are you addicted to the church? Uh, can you do without the church? You know what? When you take away uh, one glass of wine from an addict, what happens to him? He'll grow restless. I want a drink. I want a drink. Do you do that? One church meeting you miss. I want to go to church. I want to go to church. I miss the meeting. I wonder what God spoke. What God spoke. What? Are you addicted? No wonder we are defeated. I'll get that word, okay? Addicted to church. Those, those addictions are fantastic addictions. It is only in the KJV Bible, by the way. In 1 Corinthians. You can actually do a search. And Sammy can get it. Just type addiction, type addiction, 1 Corinthians, you'll get it. Okay, on Google. Ask Google, Google Dalli, okay? First addict. Look at this, next one. This is Jesus this is Jesus. Jesus himself had a custom of going to the synagogue and listening to boring sermons. Am I right? What is your custom? I'm telling you, before I was called to the ministry, I can count on the fingers of my right hand how many times I miss church. It is an addiction which I never want to give up. Did you find that, Sammy? Sammy, did you find? Addiction, the word addiction, First Corinthians. Just type in Google. Is there? 16? Yeah. Kya baat hai? 16.15, easy to remember. First Corinthians 16.15. People who are addicted to the church. 
Go and and think about it. Acts chapter 17. Look at this. This is, we'll say that is Jesus. What about Apostle Paul? And when he had passed through Amphipolis, Amphipolis, Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, where they were, there was a synagogue of Jews. Then Paul, as his custom was, before he was saved, after he was saved. His custom. What is it? To be in the play, in the assembly of the saints of God. Can you honestly say, Lord, dwelling with your saints, Lord, as for the saints in the land, they are the excellent ones, in whom is all my delight. They are the excellent ones in whom is all my delight. Is there a joy in your heart when you meet the brothers? You know what? Every time I, I now if I have to go to places in, in different, different places, my heart is to go to the believing church there. And to see my brothers in a, in a different land or a different place, how they worship so that I can enjoy. Because they are the excellent ones in whom is all my delight. Are you addicted to church? There are a few brothers. I can say with all my heart, Simon is one person who is addicted to church. Not many of us. If not all of us. You want excuses as to how to avoid church? Hmm? Oh, Yesterday only we heard, no? Today also? Yesterday only you heard, no? Today also you want to eat? That we will not say. Even by mistake, you will not come. That will not come out of your mouth. Hmm? Explaining and demonstrating that Christ had to suffer and raise from the dead. This Jesus, whom I preach to you, is the Christ. This was his action. In other words, his life was saturated with the church. So, teachings, preachings, fellowship. Daniel chapter six. And now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, what is the writing, Baba? That you should not pray. We are waiting for the day when God will ask us not to pray. He went home. And in his upper room with his windows open towards Jezreel, he knelt down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as was his custom since when? Adi, early days. Morning by morning, Jesus was woken up. Morning by morning. That is the reason why catch them young and watch them grow is a philosophy that you should have for your children. What are you doing? Outsourcing your children to the world. Outsourcing your children to the world for their their studies. Outsourcing your children to the Sunday school for their spiritual studies. What are you doing? Sitting in the home and doing something else. Very important jobs. That is the reason why practice. He who practices righteousness will become. Answer. Righteous. Practice makes makes what? Ah, permanent. (laughs) Permanent, permanent. Philippians chapter 4 verse 8. Finally, brothers, after having written so many things, he says, finally, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, true, noble, just, pure, lovely, of good report, if there is any virtue, what should you do? Think. Think. 
Make it a habit. 1 John chapter 3. Little children, let no one deceive you, little children. He who practices righteousness, he is the person who will become, who will become righteous. You cannot go one day onto the, onto the, onto the, onto the, uh, onto the cricket field and, and score a century. You cannot. Forget about it. You cannot go and hit a home run on the first time when you enter into the field. No! Let's move on to the next. First, habitual thoughts or iniquitous thoughts. Overcome them by good habits. Develop them. Develop. You see, the Bible says, Moses said, I will turn around. What did he say? I will. What did the, what did the prodigal son say? I will arise. It's, a, it's an act of will. God doesn't circumvent your will. Oh, I want to love you. Keep his commandments. Then you will love. <laughs> love will automatically come. Focus on that. So first is habitual or iniquitous thoughts. Second, rebellious or logical thoughts. Or thoughts which justify your rebellion. Why did, oh, I did this because I did this because. The moment you say because, it's gone. It's over. Game over for you. First Samuel chapter 15. Samuel went to Saul. And Saul said to him, Blessed are you of the Lord. <laughs> I have performed the commandment of the Lord. Oh, really? But Samuel said, What is the sound? What is the sound? Oh, that sound. They have brought them from the Amalekites for the people spared the best of the sheep, the oxen. What? To sacrifice. That is what is rebellious thoughts which have a lot. You're justifying your rebellion saying that, you know what? I'm sacrificing this to the Lord. God does not need your sacrifice. He needs your what? Obedience. The premise, the fundamentals are gone. What's the whole point showing? It's like this, no? Somebody was telling me. There's a good man, like our Sajid Bhai, who likes pigeons also. And pigeons also are birds of habit, apparently. That's what, I, what, the, what's, what's the, that's what I have observed. I've learned from the pigeons. They are also people of habit, not birds of habit. Every afternoon, they come regularly to the church office. Why? There is a man. Who feeds them? Grain. Okay? From the top floor. Okay? Sajid Bhai throws grain. All the pigeons exactly by 1.30, 2 o'clock, they, are, they, are, they assemble. Okay? Assemble. Yeah, exactly. You have to come to 1.30, 2 o'clock, for sure you come to church office, you will find a bunch of pigeons on the in the compound. Am I right? Approximately at that time. Okay? Now there was a, was a crow. And uh, he was looking at these pigeons and he was saying, how lucky these pigeons. Nice man, because they are pigeons, he's feeding them. If the, if the crow comes, he'll chase me. If the pigeon comes, he feeds them. I wish I was a pigeon. So, then he said, okay, fine, I'll do one thing. If I change my color and keep quiet, if I ah, change my color and keep quiet, can an Ethiopian change his color? 
Oh, but this fellow wanted to try. Okay. If I change my color and keep quiet, somehow I feel I can also enjoy that blessing. So what happened the other he was just to next to the next to the building, there was another guy with some painting job was going on. They were using some white paint. So this fellow went and <laughs> baptized himself into the paint. And he came out. Baptized. It's like, you know, you went into this pool, dry sinner. You came out, wet sinner. Sinner hasn't changed. From dry to wetness has changed. That's all has happened. Nature hasn't changed. Now you are, crow, you are a black crow. Now you are white crow. Crow is common. The crow came out and came to Sajid Bhai. Sajid Bhai was feeding them. Feeding them. Now this fellow is deceiving and enjoying life. Suddenly it started raining. When it started raining, all the paint came off and you know what happened to Sajid Bhai. His anger and his love at the same time you cannot tolerate. Okay. <laughs> okay. He showed him the third eye and he ran for his life. What is the meaning? You can change your externals. Okay. If the internal does not change, it's like this, no? You go to a meeting. What are you? A bitter neem tree. What are you? Bitter neem tree with all bitter fruits. And you go to this meeting and the preacher, Pastor James with full anointing, he says, in the name of Jesus, all these bitter fruit be removed in the name of Jesus. All the bitter fruits have gone. You baptize that neem tree also. After a few days again, what has happened? A bitter has come. Nothing has changed. Fundamentally. You see, your sacrifice doesn't matter. That's the reason why you look at the Pharisees and he said, you are whitewashed tombs. You are pretenders of the first order. You have to be given Oscar. Nothing has changed fundamentally. You see, for Saul, he goes and he weeps, David, 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 I'm so sorry, David, I'm so sorry, David, you are righteous, I am unrighteous, you will become king one day. After a while, he goes back to his home and he takes a sword again, he wants to kill David. Nothing has changed. You know why? There were rebellious patterns which he tried to justify. That is the reason that the Bible says the axe had to be laid to the root so that your fruit will change. Iniquitous. Rebellious. Third one. Worldly or expedient thoughts. This is, this is our man Moses. Worldly, full of wisdom. I mean, think about it, no? With a PhD from University of Alexandria. Doctor of whatever. You have several doctors, by the way. Doctor of uh, oration, doctor of uh, science, doctor of architecture, doctor of sword fighting, gun counsel, everything. All doctorates he has earned. Now, in order to do deliverance, all his doctorates came down to one fundamental thing. Look to the left, look to the right, and murder. That's all. At the grassroots, this is what your worldly wisdom will do. What are you going to do? You are going to do something which is expedient and convenient, which is a crookedness of this world. Expedient. If it works, it is okay. Acts chapter 2. And with many other words, <laughs> what did he say? <laughs> Please, guys, be saved from this 
perverse generation and who received this word gladly, they went baptized. You know why? Because there are patterns. Thought patterns. Expedient thought patterns. What are those expedient thought patterns? Change, tweak a bit here, tweak a bit there, tweak a bit here, tweak a bit. That's exactly what Indian Jugad is. Our research and American research. Difference. What do we do? We take a Tata car, Tata truck and convert it and make, give them alloy steel wheels and put them on a track. Have you seen how they are laying the track? I was shocked. I said, Baba, what brains? One truck on the track. What truck? Tata truck. But if you go to America, everything is, I mean, their research is at a different level altogether. What do we do? We tweak here, we tweak there. What do we do if the flight doesn't take place? If it doesn't take off you? Incline it to 40 degrees. And you will launch it again. Why? Because you were doing the same thing with your Baja Chetak. Baja Chetak. What is the Baja Chetak? Hari, what kind of a fuel system is that? You have to bend your bike like that and, to, and hit it so many times. Thank God for electrical vehicles, no? <laughs> we have replaced the internal combustion engine. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Okay, Bano. You are on my crosshairs, okay? <laughs> so, you see, we are all, we, we are tweak here, tweak there, we are experienced. Konsa jugaade bhai, konsa kaam karega, konsa chalega? One thing I have telling my children, you are going to have to prove yourself to me that you are worthy of a hundred. I will not give you a hundred. I will not. I'll flunk you as many times because I'm not going to choose shortcuts for you. Not. their children. That's exactly. You know what? You're going to teach that convenience to them. Tomorrow that fellow will go and do something else which is convenient. What is convenient? He will go, he'll marry a girl, get her pregnant and conveniently forget her. Because he has no convictions in his heart. Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world. Expedient thoughts. Expedient thoughts. Worldly, crooked, expedient thoughts. Let the preaching of the cross come and lay the axe to the root this morning. Last. Before we close. Habitual thoughts. Rebellious thoughts. Worldly thoughts. Bitter condescending thoughts. What are these? Rough things have to be made smooth. How do rough things be made smooth, Baba? Put two believers together and let them travel together. Automatically, it will happen. Not believer and unbeliever, okay? Believers. 2717. Iron sharpens iron so that man sharpens the countenance of his of his Who's your friend? Who's your friend? Samir, Samir bhai. Wife, his friend? Hope so. Okay. She should be a friend, Baba. Yeah, I remember, no? This man, he died and he went to heaven. And he was observing that at the, at the booth, there was a toll booth kind of a thing, okay? At that toll booth, there was an angel who was asking some questions. 
And if you answer the question only, people are getting entrance. This fellow was having his heart in his mouth. Somehow he reached the entrance. And the angel said, okay, you want to enter into heaven? They said, okay, yes, sir, I want to enter into heaven. Tell the spelling of God. Ah, oh, thank you, Lord. G-O-D, God. Enter. So he entered. He went 20 meters. He stopped, rushed back. He told the angel, sir, uh, my wife is coming on the 25th. That, that lady there, 25th point, not 25th person, she's coming. Ask her the spelling of Czechoslovakia. Please, please, sir. Ask her the spelling of Czechoslovakia. She did not go to English medium school. She tortured me the entire life. She should not come to heaven. You know, the most people were bitter with actually our brothers in the church. <laughs> that is the reason why Proverbs says, a brother offended is very difficult to be won over. Not the person in the world. So what does God do? He puts brothers with sharp edges in the same church. So what happens? The washing of water by the word comes. And then in the washing of water by the word, these two rough stones start rubbing against each other. And then one day, they will become like Pastor James and Sister Elsa, like sister and brother. So they go on the other day, they went to church, they went to the to, to, to hospital and they said, are you brother and sister? I said, wow, when will the people say, is your wife your sister? They asked the question of Abraham to my pastor. <laughs> is she your sister? And he's, I mean, can you imagine? He did say, I am, she is my sister. They said, is she your sister? When will they become like that? You see, iron sharpens. That is how rough things will become. Smooth. Bitter, condescending thoughts. Bitter thoughts. Are you, who are you, an uneducated fellow? You deserve, what is that? Mercy. And that is the reason the Bible says, let the poor man boast in his exaltation. Let a rich man boast in his humiliation. Because all flesh is grass. All the flower of the field is like the flower and the glory of grass. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of the Lord abides forever. This is the gospel which was preached to you. First Peter chapter 1, the last verse. What is that? Condescending. Condescending? Bitter thoughts. Romans chapter 1. This is how the work of the cross is done in our lives. Romans chapter 1. For I long to see you that I may impart some spiritual. Look at this giant of the faith, Macha. Look at this giant. Look at his humility. That I may impart some spiritual gift to you so that you may be established. Oh, just in case you think that I am taking a position of a guru in your life. No, 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 no. That is that I may be encouraged together by our mutual faith, both yours and mine. What is that? Your faith edifies me. 
my faith identifies you. Together we become smooth under the preaching of the word. And we get rid of what? Bitter, condescending thoughts. That is when, what happens? Now when you are broken, like Mary, what happens? When you open your mouth, like Stephen, Father, let the fire fall from heaven and consume these fellows. No. So many times, no, I, when I get angry, this is what I, what I say, no? Look at, look at Stephen, no? Lord, let, lay not this charge against them. And he gave up. And he fell asleep, the Bible says. Lay not this charge against them. And he fell asleep. What an end, my dear brothers. What an end. So this morning, you want the work of the cross to be done in your life? Look unto Jesus and be saved. You know why? Because on the cross, your old man was crucified. On the cross, though you have been crucified to the world, on the cross, the power of darkness was broken over your life. And if you allow this teaching to permeate your thought life and in your heart, you know what will happen? Out of your mouth will come what? Sweetness, pleasantness, and no more bitterness. Amen? Shall we all stand now in the presence of God this morning? Father, we just want to thank you, Father, for this morning. Lord, I pray. We have a long way to go. But as we've been exhorted in all our previous previous meetings, oh Lord, we've been exhorted. Let there be a holy dissatisfaction this morning created in each one of our hearts. Not guilt, not condemnation, but a dissatisfaction. Because there is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Now there is therefore no condemnation. We are, we are not people who are condemned. We are people who are forgiven. We have been accepted in the beloved. You have already done that work for us. But Lord, you want to form Christ in us. Who is going to be the hope of our glory one day when we stand before you. So that we may not be ashamed. That we may also get that commendation from you. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Not a bitter servant who hid his talent because of his bitterness. Who never used his talent for the glory of God. Because he was comparing himself with other brothers. With an attitude of competition and condescending and, 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 and strife in his heart. Lord, I pray you will not find such people here in our midst this morning. You will find a people, a set of people who are focused on their own race. Who don't look to the left, not to the right, except to help another brother, a weaker brother. Because your word says, bear ye one another's burdens and fulfill the law of Christ. Because in bearing others' burdens, O Lord, is also a part of our race. So that in bearing other people's burdens, O Lord, all the roughnesses in our life will be made smooth. I pray, Father, the work of the cross 
will happen in our hearts and in our minds this morning. Let there be no strife. As your word says, O Lord, forgive one another as God in Christ forgave you. Forbear with one another. This morning, Father, I pray, Lord, you would impart your spirit into each one of our lives. That we will take away the focus from our, from our lives. This morning, just look unto Jesus. Don't look at the serpent bites this morning. Don't look at all the pains and the sufferings that you're going through. Don't look at the consequences of your actions. Look unto Jesus this morning. I know it's difficult. It takes faith. To take your eyes off your problems and put, to put your trust on Jesus. But do it anyway. As an act of will. Look unto Jesus this morning. Have mercy, O Lord, on your people this morning. Visit us this morning. With your spirit. Enable us to look unto you. Oh, Lord. I cannot force anybody to look, Lord. Only you can cause people to look. I can only preach. But I want to begin with myself. I want to look. I want to survey you on the cross. And like the, as the hymn writer says, <coughs> the wildest offender who truly believes that moment from Jesus a pardon receives. Father, Thank you, Father, for forgiving us. We want to receive your forgiveness this morning. We want to confess our sins. And when we confess, your word says, you are faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all our unrighteousness. Do your work this morning in your people. The work of the cross for us. The work of the cross in us. And enable us never to take our eyes off Jesus, but fix our eyes on Jesus this morning. And even through the days, through the days, and in through the coming weeks, weeks, oh Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you. Thank you. We praise you. We worship you. We give you glory. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with each one of us. Amen. 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 God bless you. Have a blessed day. And a week. <laughs>